Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBlanet.com. Morning. Morning, my dudes. Full retard. Happy Saturday. Um, I'm just going to get into it today. You guys know where to find me. <laughs> You've found me already or you know where to find me. Insta- or, uh, Instagram people, um, that's only going to last an hour. After an hour, it uh, kicks me off. So head over to my DLive channel, dlive.tv slash Planet. Um, yeah, today I have a, a long and interesting stream planned. Um, yeah, very long, very interesting stream. Is it? Safety and stuff. It's a topic we need to talk about. Um, comfort and ease is unnatural and dangerous to our long-term health and our eternal souls. Let that sink in. Let all of this sink in today. Um, convenience, ease, pleasure... And a desire to have material stuff and perceived safety is making us weak, complacent, animalistic, and distant from God's glory. Um, The hardship in our life needs to be embraced. Truly, we need to embrace this. We need to embrace hardship and struggle into our life. We need to fight the battles with smiles on our faces. Um, Because the hardships in our life teach us. They train us. They force us to learn. They force us to grow to build and improve and just generally to fight back against evil. Um, the evil seeking to overtake us, um, especially when we stand our ground in the face of our struggles um, and overcoming hardships makes us better and they bring us closer to God. Um, comfort and ease will keep you down here on this earth, enjoying what you have here in, on this earth. Hardships and struggles will elevate you higher. They will bring you closer to God. Um, just ask anyone in prison or anyone in a, tr- in a, in a trench in warfare. Um, <laughs> we find the righteous rewards that our soul is truly longing for when we finally decide to take up and carry our cross. Again, we find the righteous rewards that our soul is longing for when we finally decide to take up and carry our cross do not deliberately seek out pain um, or train yourself to find pleasure in the pain itself that will lead you astray Um, that will also keep you on this earth trying to find pleasure in the pain but you must welcome the hardships and the battles of life whenever they do arise and know that they serve a purpose they serve a purpose to push you towards an elevated state. Discomfort, trials, and tribulations will strengthen your heart and your spirit. And the acceptance of your creator's logos um, will lead you towards righteousness. Accepting the truth and the reality you face and walking forward towards that, (laughs) accepting that and walking forward in it and meeting the next battle in front of you will lead you towards righteousness. Running and hiding will not (laughs) it will not resistance will prepare you for the inevitable battles ahead of you during your time here on earth resistance 
will prepare you. Um, choose to accept the challenge of fighting against evil. Do not run from it or give in to it. Stand your ground against wickedness. Play your part in this war of good versus evil. Hi everyone on Instagram. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the waves. Shaunaverse, good to see you, my, my dude. Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, guys, God put us here for a reason. He put us all here for a reason. This time, this place, for a reason. And the challenges, the trials, the discomfort, the resistance you face is for a reason. It serves a greater purpose. Stop running and hiding from it. God has equipped us and prepared us for this portion of the spiritual battle standing before you. This portion of your spiritual battle and the spiritual battle he has built you, tested you, tried you, created you for this moment at this time. And we must at all times wear God's armor and do our job of fighting back the forces of evil right now, like right now, this moment going forward and the forever after. Right now and forever. Put on God's armor and do your job. We must at all times stay strong, vigilant, optimistic, and loving. All times. Refuse to be demoralized, broken, blinded, and defeated by the forces of evil. They will constantly seek your destruction, and they will win if you refuse to stand your ground and push back. They want you to not push back. They want you to sit down and shut up. And they will constantly seek your destruction and your complacency. If you choose not to speak up and speak out, if you give in when the going gets tough, your soul is mightier. No, just know that your soul is mightier than the sword. Do not give in when the going gets tough. Know and embrace that. Your soul is stronger. Your soul is strong enough to face the battles ahead. Even if your body doesn't like it, even if your body's discomfortable, <laughs> <laughs> even if it's not even if it's not fun and entertaining and nice and pleasant know that your sword your soul is mightier than the sword mightier than the pen and mightier than the sword and embrace that know that use that as a weapon um, our heavenly father prepares all all of his children uniquely for the trials and tribulations that they will encounter but it is up for you to embrace that it's truly up to you to embrace that. Are you going to stand up and speak out or are you going to run and hide? You've been prepared uniquely for the trials and tribulations that you will encounter. God has been showing and warning us that our time here and now in this place is going to get tough. There is a rising darkness, obviously. <laughs> anyone anyone alive like and fairly competent not addicted to drugs not just completely destroyed and ruined by their sins can see that there is a rising darkness facing us today and our society has a chaotic and angry nature plaguing it and it is multiplying now at a very rapid pace um, the children of the lie are busy spreading degenerate behaviors and pushing carnal desires um, desires for pleasure and pain intolerance um, Satan and his servants are busy spreading evil and wickedness in this place by emotionally manipulating those distant from God. 
leading them astray with falsehoods, physical temptations, emotional manipulations, and rhetorical tricks. Hi, Instagram. Thank you for the waves. Do not panic. Do not become angry or full of fear. That's so crucial. Do not panic. Do not be angry. Do not live in fear. Cut the fear. Cut the despair. Do not become overwhelmed with dread or despair at the growing darkness and wickedness in this place right now. Refuse, absolutely refuse to be demoralized by the problems of our world. Um, for God has made us exactly as we are for a reason. Exactly as we are for a reason. He has given us the right amount of struggles and obstacles in our lives to build up the tolerance and the strength to take on the problems of our time. You are uniquely created for the battles you face. Do not rely on your feelings to guide you. It's so crucial. It's so crucial. And even at churches, American churches, um, they have you really embrace your feelings. Feel good. Feelings. <laughs> because feelings, because making you feel good and telling you to embrace your feelings is what makes you go back to church the next week and what motivates you to put money in the, in the collection baskets. But we have to break that. It's making us weak. It's destroying the church. It's destroying us. And it's leading us astray. And as a result, darkness is rising all around us. So do not rely on your feelings to guide you, regardless of what your pastor or what your mom or what your girlfriend tells you, um, what your politicians, what your corporations, what your corporate overlords tell you. Do not rely on your feelings to guide you. Do not place your trust on your own understanding to lead you towards victory. Do not seek refuge in your physical stuff and your perceived safety in this temporary world. Be sure to stand strong in the faith. Stand strong in your faith. Rely on God's logos to guide you. Place your trust in him and seek the Lord's guidance and help in fighting the battles you face right now, right now and going forward. And those are surely, there are surely battles to come. <laughs> You're not in the clear. You're not in the clear now or in the future. There's always a next battle that's surely to come. Keep those pretty little eyes of yours out there. <laughs> All those pretty eyes out there watching me right now. Keep those pretty eyes on God. And make sure that your heart is set solely on him and on his right ways. Obey, love, trust, and follow God and his right ways. Not your stuff. Not this stuff here and now. Um, I'm sure you've seen a meme. It goes around every once in a while and everyone is like, oh yeah, that's, that's so true. It speaks so true to me. Um, and you can put whatever little picture over it you want. But the concept is that good times make weak people. Weak people make hard times. Hard times make great people. Great people make good times. And repeat and repeat and repeat. Um, it's a tried and true um, historic history. It's in our history. It's in our DNA. Um, because um, it's not only documented in history, but we can see it. We can see it and feel it in our hearts and in our lives. Um, it's not something you have to read about in books. You can see it unfolding in your own life 
<laughs> in the lives around you. I mean, if you just follow a sports team or something for a while, you know, even just like like five or six years of watching a, a dynasty, a football dynasty rise and fall, uh, the good times make you weak. <laughs> and that's what we're facing right now. The good times have made us weak. Spiritually broken and distant from our creator and physically weak. And we are at that point in the cycle. <laughs> we are at that point in the cycle where the hard times are coming. But are you going to be the great, the great man that rises out of those hard times? Or are you just going to be a victim of the hard times and suffer and die? Choose to not be a victim. Choose to become a great man that's going to lead us, lead you and us and everyone around you, your family, your friends, your community, society at large, out of the hard times. Now, we are currently at the point, right now, we're at the point where the good times have made people weak. You can see it all around us. The boomers, the baby boomers are, they had a great life. <laughs> they had a great run of things. And... Um, Life got really comfortable and easy for them. And as a result, they have made weak people. They became weak people and they made children who were weak people. And we are in or soon entering into the point of experiencing the hard times. We're right there. We're right at the cliff's edge. <laughs> we're right at the falling off. We're about to fall off if we haven't already started falling off the cliff um, into the hard times. And... This period, this hard time period, tends to bring about strong men who must overcome their surroundings to continue their own lives and secure a future for their offspring. That's not a Hitler quote, guys. <laughs> That's just reality. This period tends to bring about strong men who must overcome their surroundings to continue their own lives and secure a future for their offspring. Now, um... If we choose to rely on our own strength during this all, our own strength, our own knowledge, our own emotions, our feelings, <laughs> um, we will see the rise of tyrants. You know, it's inevitable. We will see the rise of tyrants. We will see dictators and we will see a society where might makes right. A declining civilization <laughs> where order is sought out with brute force, bloodshed and violence. If we look at ourselves, our stuff, our and we want, we cling to our stuff and our safety, and we look to man to save us, we look to our own selves, or we look to our, our peers to save us and make things right, um, there will just be nothing but a society that results, a society that will result in nothing but brute force, bloodshed, and violence. However, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if we rely on God, trusting completely in his truth and in his love and in his salvation, we will see the rise of righteously masculine men, noble manhood, and the order of God's creation will be restored. Restored through our compassion, our understanding, our honesty, forgiveness, truth, and love. When these hard times come, you know, now or <laughs> now or soon uh, or later, remember that the last thing we need are human saviors. The last thing we need are human saviors. What we need is the salvation from the true alpha. 
We need to be strong spiritually, emotionally, and physically to wage a successful front in the war of good and evil that is all around us. It should be clear that that war is all around us. Times now are becoming hard and they will get even harder. If you don't think times are getting harder, good luck. Good luck out there. <laughs> good luck out there in that. If you're looking to buy a sports car or a fancy mansion at this point, um, good luck out there. <laughs> I will always remember you. Good luck. The chaos, the confusion, the dread, despair, anger, fear, and general nonsense that is going to rise and spread before our eyes. Um, yeah. <laughs> we were born exactly for these moments, though. Always remember that. We were born exactly for these moments to experience this life and... You know, God has placed hardships and struggles, all of the hardships and struggles we face specifically in front of us for us to overcome them, for us to fight the spiritual war waging all around us, overcome the internal struggles and persevere through the hardships and conquer the struggles in our lives to prepare us, you know, for the next battle to come, <laughs> to strengthen our soul and strengthen our spirit in this dojo we call earth and continue getting us ready and prepared for the next battle and for the future eternity that awaits us. Do not set your heart on this world or else this world will take it. Be in this world for now and not of this world for good. Don't set your heart on this world or else this world will take it. Be in this world for now and not of this world for good. If you stay close to the shepherd during all you face, there is no chance at all you will be led astray. It might seem that way. <laughs> it might take some time. Uh, it might take some pain and persecution along the way. Um, it might not be your desired path or the path that you want, that your ego wants to ha wants you to have. It may not be, you know, pleasurable, comfortable, the easy route, the shortest route. By sticking close to your shepherd, by sticking close to your shepherd through it all, you will be led through the darkness towards his green pastures. The shepherd will take you to green pastures. Trust him. Stay close to him. Keep the faith. Reject the despair. Know that you are loved and that you are here for a very special reason. Know that you are loved and that you are here right now in these hard times for a very special reason. Walk forward. <laughs> Don't stand still. Don't run away. But walk forward with confidence towards your destiny, relying on God and his right ways to protect and provide for you. And he certainly will. He certainly will. Um, again, thank you everyone on Instagram for tuning in. That's going to cut off in an hour. I think like in 40 minutes from now. Thank you, everyone on DLive. Um, well, Greetard, Phoenix, Andrew Smith, everyone else. Um, China wants to kill all of us. I say bring it up. <laughs> sure. China doesn't want to kill us. They want to enslave us. Why would they want to kill us? 
We're, we're their loyal and obedient consumers. We enjoy all of their stuff. They have comforted us and pleasured us. Why would they want to kill us? They don't want to kill us. You don't want to kill your slaves. That's a, that's a thing um, people need to understand. Concept people need to understand. Everyone acts like um, loyal and obedient servants are just being led to slaughter. I always hear that, that um, phrase being used in conspiracy circles. They're leading us to the slaughterhouse. Okay, Mr. Cow, no one's, no one's going to listen to you, you crazy conspiracy theory kook, as all the cows are being led to a slaughterhouse, you know. That's not how it works. They want you to be a cow. <laughs> they want you there. They want you fenced in with a collar on your neck, docile, complacent, staying in place, not rising up, not revolting, but staying there. Eating, chewing your cud, eating the grass, so they can come out every day and milk you. They don't want to slaughter you. They want to milk you. They want you right where you are. They want you complacent. They want you weak. They want you standing still so they can extract your resources. The tax farm that we that this country is, this Ponzi scheme that we live in, this is just a giant tax farm where human people have become livestock to their, you know, enslaved by their debts. Um the Ponzi scheme doesn't work if you just start killing people. <laughs> you know, China owns our debt. They don't get their debt repaid if they just start killing people. Why would everyone want you to just, why would China want to eliminate anyone in America? They want more people in America because that means more productivity, more wealth they can extract. What China wants, they don't want to kill us. What they want is to keep us weak, scared, and afraid right where we are they want us staying in place right where we are and they want us to be obedient to them they want dogs they want loyal obedient dogs on a leash where they can yank that leash anytime they want and extract their resources whenever they want they don't want to kill you that's so crazy people need to understand that they want but they might want war with us they might want to like destroy our things they might want to destroy our infrastructure and our systems, our institutions that provide us safety and freedom, you know, freedoms for now, <laughs> relative safety for now, they might want to invade us, you know, so that they can easily, more easily, more directly rule over us and control us. But they don't want to kill us. They don't want to eliminate our population at all. But what they want is control over our population. They want to be able to yank the chain and extract their resources from us whenever they want. So no, China does not want to kill us all, kill us all, but they do want to conquer us. And I agree with you. Bring it on, China, Chinama, Chinama. <laughs> We're not going down easy, Chinama. Um, yeah, all of China. I'm a little jealous of their unity. China is a man who hates us, bro. <laughs> yeah, China is China. Chinama, this Chinama dude hates us. Chinama. Trunk, you better tell them Chinamas the heat that they that they better stop hating us. <laughs> Phoenix Bear says, I've been living through hard times my entire life. Sadly, there are no real men in my local life. There are. There are or build build them up. Build them up. Make a band of brothers. Find and seek a handful of men in your life to just do stuff with. Build stuff with. Um, maybe once a week, get around and talk, but talking too much with men, it doesn't work. <laughs> that's how you get, that's how you make weak men. 
Um, like I'm in a, a, a weekly Bible study group where I get together with men and we hold each other accountable. We set goals for ourselves. We talk about the Bible. We talk about lessons and, and we share thoughts and knowledge for about an hour or two. And that's it. That's about it. <laughs> now, if we're going to go do something, like I know some of the guys go play guitar. You know, some of us go and like hang out on, on weekend events and stuff like that. Do volunteer stuff. But if you go do stuff, that's how you truly build a band of brothers. You can sit around and talk and hold each other accountable and share your problems with each other. That's great. Too much sitting around and talking between men leads to weakness. It leads to men. It leads to docile, complacent men caught up in their feelings and emotions. And yeah, truly righteous, righteously masculine men, noble manhood is built with bands of brothers. I talked about this on my stream 32, Righteous Masculinity. Go back and listen to that or read the book Men on Fire by Stephen Mansfield. It uh, clearly explains what men need to do going forward to become the righteously masculine men that God created us to be. And a big part and a thing that Stephen Mansfield, the author, always brings up is having a band of brothers. And that's a phrase that I keep hearing in a lot of places in a lot of Christian circles because it's true. Men need groups of other men <laughs> to hold each other accountable, to get advice from, to learn things from, to see, to get experience from. Hey, man, what did you do? How did you handle this? What problems are you facing and what are you doing about it? But men are action. Men are, men are salt. You know, the salt of the earth. Men are action. And women are oil. Women are, are feelings and talking, <laughs> relating. Um, there's a thing in that book. There's a big, a, a pretty, pretty mind-opening portion of that book where he talks about when they study children, small children, when they put two little boys in a room full of toys, two little boys together in a room full of toys and tables and stuff, and they study, like, what, what, what's their natural reaction? Like, how do they behave? How do they interact with each other? Um, the boys would get together shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and do things. Or they would compete with each other. But what they would do is they'd get together and they'd play with Legos and they'd build things together. They'd share their Legos with each other. They'd share their toys with each other. They'd construct things together. The boys, the men, get together and do. They build. They create. They compete. And when they did the same experiment with girls, two little girls, the little girls sit at tables facing each other, talking, sharing their thoughts, sharing their feelings, sharing their emotions. They have tea parties. They have, you know, their, their interactions are based on feelings and relating and sharing with each other one-on-one, -on -one, facing each other. And the boys are shoulder to shoulder, like soldiers fighting a battle, going forward and building and creating and fighting together. And that's a telling. And when you step back and look, I mean, I know our society is becoming blurred lines with all this stuff, with all the transgenderism and homosexuality and stuff. But our natural instincts as boys are action. We're men of action. And women are designed and created for feelings and relations, relationships and emotions and sharing. Um, and that's just how God created us. He created the men to pr protect and provide and grow and build. And he designed the women to create life, nurture life, and <laughs> pr protect the life with, um, you know, in the communities, like building, building communities, not building, not physically building communities, but by emotionally and spiritually bonding and bringing the communities together. So we have different functions and features, but um, yeah.
Sorry, I keep getting off topic. You have to protect your assets. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So, Phoenix. So, find a Banner Brothers. All that being said, find a Banner Brothers and find it by doing stuff. Um, you know, fix cars. Build fences. Go do stuff with men. Um, bowling leagues. Sports leagues. Like, do stuff where, like, go do stuff where you do stuff. Don't look for, especially online, internet friends can be a trap because you can be like, man, this guy gets me. You know, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude, we're bonding, but you're not because you're not doing things together. You're just talking. You're sharing texts. You're sharing voice chats or whatever. And so same thing in your church and just everything. Like what you need is like men to do stuff with. You need goals to accomplish. You need battles to fight together, shoulder to shoulder with your bros. Um, but once once or twice a week, you know, little Bible study groups or little like, you know, accountability meetings and sessions and hangouts um, are good and beneficial for men as well. But it's crucial to build up, um, build yourself up together with a group of men that will hold you accountable. And go out and find it, man. If not, build it. Because <laughs> other men are thirsting for this too. I guarantee you there's men wherever you live. If you're actually in Phoenix, Phoenix Bear, <laughs> I guarantee there's a bunch of men out there that are saying the same thing as you. Man, everyone's weak around me. All these, all these little boys... You know, like where are the good men at? I'm trying to, I'm trying to like make good friends, solid friends that are into stuff that I'm into. And then you're over here five blocks away down the street saying the same thing. So you just have to like keep going, keep trying, keep pushing. And eventually you guys will find each other, but it'll happen by doing things. Do what you love, what you love. Like if you like bowling, go join a bowling league and just start making friends with that common interest of bowling and then branch off from there. But build a band of brothers. <laughs> um, yeah. You have to protect your assets. They want you to sit on the fence. Yeah, they do want you to sit on the They want you to sit on the fence as they milk you. They don't want to slaughter you. Chinama does not want us dead. They want us complacent and obedient. Chewing cud so they can come extract their resources. They want us sitting on the fence, not taking action. They want us caught in our feelings. They want us wrapped up in our emotions and in our feelings so that we're too weak when they come to extract the resources from us to fight back so that we do sit on a fence. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, Phoenix Bear says, China has already invaded economically and digitally. And that's true. Everyone's waiting for the, for the Chinese invasion where they come on battleships and aircraft carriers and come start bombing Seattle and Los Angeles or whatever and invading the country. Uh, China has already invaded. <laughs> As Owen Benjamin says, China has invaded. It's called Walmart. <laughs> it's called buy one, get one free. China has invaded us. It's called iPhones and cell phones and this little camera that's, that's helping me stream right now. DLive is Chinese invasion. They have invaded us with eco like economic warfare. Um, and now we're just in the next stage where economic and digital warfare has already taken place. China has invaded us, invaded our minds and our souls and our spirits with economic warfare. Um, that we're entering the next next phase of this war we're in that's biological warfare <laughs> or, you know, the, the fear, the fear, war, war, the, the war of despair, um, which is truly what war is, which is just demoralizing people. Everyone wants to pretend like war is just um, shooting each, shooting people shooting other people with bullets until they're gone. The reality is people shoot each other with bullets until one side's so demoralized that they give up. That's truly war. 
That's what it's always been. One side has to completely demoralize the other side. And until that happens, there's just constant bullets being thrown, swords being clanked, you know, being being thrown, tossed around. Um, take, for instance, like Afghanistan or Vietnam. Like, why are those wars not over? Because the people there have refused to be demoralized. The people of Afghanistan, the people of Vietnam refuse to be demoralized. You can drop all the bombs you want. You can send all your troops, you know, but until you have demoralized the population to surrender, you have not won the war. And that's what we're in right now is China attempting to demoralize us with their economic warfare, with their digital warfare, with their whatever, biological warfare. Whether it's real or not, <laughs> the virus can be completely fake. It could or couldn't be, whatever. It could be extremely deadly, it could be not very deadly, or it could be entirely fake at all. Either way, what we have entered into is uh, psychological, biological warfare, where they're seeking to demoralize us. And yeah, talk while building. So let's get into this. Kind of kind of similar to China. Um, Andrew Smith. <laughs> Andrew Smith 420. Uh, lay off the pot, Andrew Smith. <laughs> Lay off the pot and you would <laughs> and you won't be scared of the Chinama. Uh, but similar to Chinama, let's talk for a little bit about the Mongol hordes. Um, so dig in, get comfy. This is gonna be a good one. Let's talk for a bit about what happened to the Abbasid. I might get some of these names wrong. I'm just gonna breeze past it. Sorry in advance if I'm getting these names wrong, the pronunciation pronunciation of these names wrong. If I can't even pronounce pronunciation right, <laughs> you should know that I'm going to get these eight, these uh, 800 year old Middle Eastern and Asian dynasties and rulers names wrong during this all. But let's talk right now about what happened to the Abbasid rulers of Iraq who decided to challenge the Mongol hordes. So dig in, dig, dig deep and, and embrace for impact. This is the story of how wealth, security, wealth and security can make you weak and vulnerable. How physical temporary treasures will lead you astray and distance you from God's protection. For those focused on their worldly titles, reputations, possessions, and pleasures cannot truly be focused on keeping one's soul close to the creator or loving and fearing him alone. An Iraqi historian from the 14th century summed up the siege and fall of Baghdad with these words. Even a brief mention of it would be terrible to hear. How much worse its recapitulation in detail. Things happen which I shall not record. Imagine them and do not ask me for a full description. When the historians uh, are too scared to document the reality that took place that should um <laughs> bring up some red flags and uh some questions in, in your in your head um again thanks everyone on instagram for tuning in and waving um head over to dlive.tv slash planet because this is gonna cut off in about a half hour but yeah so let's get into it Despite the historical importance and many lessons to be learned, the story of Baghdad's fall has been poorly reserved by historians. 
mostly due to the destruction of the Iraqi libraries, universities, mosques, art, and literature following their defeat. The Abbasid Caliphate was plagued by political intrigues, civil wars, lust, greed, wrath, gluttony, and a government weakened by immorality, thirst for grandeur by the caliphs, destroyed them, led to their destruction. As well as floods and fires that devastated Baghdad and sectarian and civil violence between its own residents resulting from a distracted, divided, and corrupting, corrupted ruling class. A civil, does that sound familiar? <laughs> does that sound familiar at all? A society that has a corrupt and abusive ruling class um, that is leading their society um, into all sorts of sins and eventually their own destruction. <clears throat> I'll read that again. The Abbasid Caliphate was plagued by political intrigues, civil wars, lust, greed, wrath, gluttony, and a government weakened by immorality by their thirsts for grandeur, as well as floods and fires that devastated Baghdad, and sectarian and civil violence between its own residents resulting from a distracted, divided, and corrupted ruling class. In 1242, al Mustasim succeeded to the position of caliph. And I know it's caliph, I usually say caliph, sorry, again, if I mispronounce that. <clears throat> Not doing it on purpose. Not knowing that he would be the last Abbasid to rule in Baghdad. Historians depicted him as, quote, devoted to entertainment and pleasure, passionately addicted to playing with birds and dominated by women. He was a man of poor judgment, irresolute, and neglectful of what is needed for the conduct of government. He was a man with insatiable appetites, enslaved by his pleasures, misguided and blinded by his many sins. Another chronicler summed up the caliph this way. Undoubtedly, he was not fit for kingship and greatness was beyond him. Undoubtedly, he was not fit for kingship and greatness was beyond him. And the caliph's court was no better, often portrayed as being a bunch of schemers who spent their time indulging in temporary pleasure and wasted their energy fighting each other for worldly status. Meanwhile, <laughs> as all this, as all this is, is taking place, meanwhile, the Mongol ruler Monke, Monkey Khan, Monk K. Khan was preparing for world conquest. <laughs> the Mongol horde was a Roman as the Iraqis were sitting around indulging in pleasures. And unfortunately for them, Iraq stood in the center of their new expansion plans in the Middle East. Previously, the Abbasid Caliph had given small gestures of wealth to the Mongols, but Monk K. was seeking more direct rule over the region so he gave his brother Hulagu, Hulagu, I'm going to say Hulagu. He gave his brother Hulagu command of 200,000 men with orders to conquer everything that laid before the Nile River. 
Monk K told his brothers, quote, told his brother Hulagu, quote, if the caliph of Baghdad comes out to pay homage, harass him in no way whatsoever. If he is prideful and his heart and tongue are not one, let him join the others, by which he means completely destroy them. By the end of 1256, the Mongols had conquered most of Iran and Afghanistan and began heading for the borders of the Abbasid Caliphate. Before launching his campaign, Hulagu sent envoys and letters using the Abbasid, urging the Abbasid ruler to submit, urging him to submit. They came with the typical threat, quote, I lead, when I lead my troops against Baghdad, even if you hide in the sky or in the earth, I shall not leave one person alive in your realm, and I shall put your city and country to the torch. This prideful, unking-like caliph had his rhetoric ready in response. You can come with strategy, troops, and lasso, but how are you going to capture a star? Does the prince not know that from east to west, from king to beggar, from old to young, all who are God-fearing and God-worshipping are servants of this court and soldiers in my army? The caliphate began, began assembling and preparing defense forces. Kurdish armies were bought. Mercenaries from Syria and Egypt were brought in, but they would not add much value to the strength of an idol-worshipping kingdom. Hulagu began his preparations for invasion and convinced surrounding kingdoms in Armenia and Georgia to assist out of fear. And he also approached the ruler of Mosul for support. <clears throat> Years earlier, this same ruler had sworn fealty to a ruler of Mosul, which was like a city-state at the time, not part of Iraq. He also approached the ruler of Mosul, and years earlier, this same ruler had sworn fealty to both the Mongols and the Abbasids. And with war coming, he had to make his choice on which side to join. One writer records that it was at this time that two envoys arrived to meet this ruler, one from the Mongols and the other from Baghdad. Each made a demand from Mosul. The Mongols asked for catapults and siege equipment, while the caliph wanted him to send a band of musicians to Baghdad. After hearing from both envoys, the ruler of Mosul turned to his followers and said, look at the two requests and weep for Islam and its people. The Mongols set out with a combined force of about 200,000 men, which was split into several groups, each of which moved quickly and headed towards Baghdad from a different direction. This created confusion among the Iraqi defenders who scrambled to return their initial defense forces back to the capital. The Iraqi army eventually encountered the first wave of Mongol forces about 30 miles outside of Baghdad, and the Abbasid army defeated this group. The army did not pursue the, defeating, the defeated force and decided instead to celebrate their victory with eating and drinking outside in the fields sending a message back to the caliph saying, I defeated all of them, and tomorrow I will do away with the few survivors. But the Mongols who were defeated, <laughs> guess what happened next? 
But the Mongols who were defeated were only a very small recon troop that had been sent ahead to scout the Abbasid army. Before the end of the day, the main force had arrived. While night passed, the Mongols encircled the Iraqi troops and destroyed several dikes and canals. When the Iraqi forces awoke the next day, they found themselves in dire circumstances, as water began flooding into the area all around them. The Mongols now, at this point, attacked in full force, and the Abbasid army was routed at once. 12,000 soldiers were killed or drowned. While it was reported that only three, count them, one, two, three, total surviving men made it back to Baghdad. Needless to say, no further attempts were made to engage the Mongols outside of the city walls, and work began on preparing the city's defenses. 80,000 men were used to defend the city and caliphate royalty. To make matters worse, tens of thousands of refugees were swarming into the city, trying to keep ahead of the advancing Mongol armies. The city food supplies became quickly depleted. The streets became crowded and filled with garbage. A week later, Hulagu and his forces converged on the outskirts of Baghdad, and the city was completely encircled. The Mongols did not immediately attack Baghdad. Instead, they built their own moats and walls to protect their catapults and siege machines. During this construction effort, defeat and death became obvious, and the caliph made an attempt to obtain a truce. He sent gifts and possessions to the Mongol leader, but those were rejected. <laughs> He sent gifts and possessions to the Mongol leader, but those were rejected. The attack began about a week later. The western part of Baghdad, which had no walls, fell on the first day of fighting. The inhabitants there likely welcomed the Mongols instead of fighting them. <laughs> they had had enough with the rule of the caliphs, the greed and gluttony and the sin of the caliphs and welcome the Mongols who were invading them instead of fighting them. The Mongols began using catapults to destroy the walls and defense posts and tied messages to arrows that were fired into the city, promising no harm would come to several groups of people, including the Shiite Muslims, the Christians, the Jews, the merchants, the scholars, and anyone else not involved in fighting. With the Mongols now in control of the walls, Hulagu did something very interesting. He had his men just sit there. <laughs> he broke through the walls. He destroyed their outside defenses, their physical defenses. He had his men climb on top of the walls, and they just sat there. No attempt was made to go into the city. The commander is recorded as saying, the caliph, quote, the caliph can do what he wants. If he wants, let him come out. If not, let him not come out. But the Mongol troops will remain on those walls where they are until they do come out. Fighting in general continued for a few days along the outside of the city. On the outside of the city defenses. But groups of Baghdad soldiers civilians and courtiers 
began to abandon the city and surrender. Some were granted amnesty, while high-ranking government officials and military leaders were taken away and executed. The caliph stubbornly remained in his palace, unsure of what to do, but his advisors convinced him that his only chance of survival was to surrender, in hopes that maybe he would be given another chance to rule the city following defeat. His physical life and earthly power were the only thing of importance to him, so he decided to walk out of Baghdad with his family and 3,000 courtiers to surrender to the Mongols. <clears throat> Now we get into the lessons, the lessons to be learned. <laughs> the caliph soon met with Hulagu, who did not display any anger at the caliph, but instead asked him about his health. He then requested all of the people inside of the city to throw down their weapons and come out so that they may be counted. Thousands marched outside of the city and gave up their weapons. Once all of them were disarmed, the Mongols drew their swords and attacked all of the defenseless soldiers. Not one was spared. The caliph looked upon this all with horror, weeping, regretting that he did not continue to fight, and is claimed to have said to himself, quote, My enemy has succeeded. I have fallen into a snare like a clever little bird. <clears throat> Once the caliph's army was destroyed, like completely destroyed, <laughs> every single one of them, Baghdad was sacked and pillaged for a week or two. Tens of thousands, if not a hundred or hundreds of thousands, were killed. Some estimate that nearly a million Iraqis in total were killed as a result of this war and conquest. Merchants, Christians, Shiites, Jews, and scholars were likely spared, but forced to pay tributes and bend the knee to Mongol rule. And after the dust settled, Hulagu had to decide the fate of the caliph, his family, and the royal court. <clears throat> the Mongol leader entered the city and went into the caliph's main residence. He was summoned, and Hulagu said to him, You are the host. And we are the guests. Bring whatever you have that is suitable for us. So the terrified caliph had hundreds of precious items presented to Hulagu, who in turn distributed them to his officers. The Mongol leader then turned to the caliph and gave him a golden tray and ordered him to eat it. But the caliph replied that it was not edible. Then why did you keep it, asked Hulagu, and not give it to your soldiers? And why did you not make these iron doors into arrowheads and come to the bank of the river so that I may not have been able to cross it? The caliph had no answer other than, such was God's will. To which the Mongol leader replied, what will befall thee is also God's will. It was decided that this caliph should be executed to prevent a future rebellion of neighboring Muslim armies, and so too was his entire family. The cause of execution is disputed, but it is likely that he was rolled into a carpet or tied in a sack before being kicked to death. The Mongols believe that if, a, if, that if they spilled royal blood onto earth, 
It would bring them misfortune. So this method of capital punishment was typical. Excuse me. There is an alternative story, however, provided by Marco Polo, in which Hulagu has the caliph locked into a tower filled with all of his gold. All of his gold, all of his pearls, and all of his other riches. Then the Mongol rulers told the caliph, now eat your fill of treasure, since you are so fond of it, for you will get nothing else before leaving him alone in the tower to succumb to hunger and thirst. And I'm going to read this takeaway from, uh, this is kind of a summarized version of Owen Benjamin's thoughts on this story. But the Iraqis had 500 years of gold, 500 years of success and victory, and the spoils of war um, were encased <laughs> enshrined and worshipped by the ruling class of this empire, which had a long period of relaxed and prosperous times. When the evil descended upon them, they were unable to fight off that evil. They were too satisfied, too whole, too weakened by their comforts and ease. I don't know what just happened. They were generally just too blinded by their sins. 200,000 strong, relentless, skilled butchers on horseback came from faraway lands and were able to conquer entire empires and slaughter entire cities like Baghdad that were estimated to have 800,000 to potentially 2 million citizens. How could a force so small conquer and slaughter a population so big and, quote, civilized. They weren't defeated fairly on a battlefield. There was no trade agreement established. There was no, there was no as we were talking about earlier, demoralization that needed to take place. The Abbasids were defeated before the Mongol hordes ever entered their lands, defeated by their vices, by their lust, their greed, their jealousy, and their willingness to worship false idols and worship the temporary safety and stuff they had acquired in the past. Their comforts, ease, pleasures, and possessions had made them weak, docile, complacent, ignorant, and unable to see the reality facing them. As they starved the caliph, the Mongols asked why he hoarded all of his gold when he could have fed his soldiers instead. Why would he have made metal fences when he could have forged weapons? And Owen asks, Owen does ask, why does evil seem to always win? Why does it seem that evil always wins? Why do the children of the lie seem so powerful and dangerous? Well, um, when sin, <laughs> when sin defeats you, when it overtakes your soul now or later, your sins, those sins you choose to indulge yourself in, the appetites you choose to indulge yourself in, all of your sins will distance you from God and thus his protection. And it will leave you vulnerable to the schemes and the snares of Satan. When you are not putting on the armor of God, when you are distancing yourself from God by disobeying him, you will be left vulnerable to the schemes and snares of Satan. When you replace God as your only source of truth, love, and fear, 
with the things of this earth, for the things of this earth, you become unprotected from the spiritual forces that seek to bring you down. Evil will defeat you whenever you put down God's armor and pick up the safety and stuff of this world. Satan will overwhelm you when you abandon God and walk away from the righteous path. Evil does not always win. It actually does not win in the end. And evil doesn't always win. Here and now, it just seems that way when you are looking out at this life through sinful eyes. When your heart is full of anger, fear, and despair, it seems like evil always wins. It just looks that way when your glasses are shaded by sin. <laughs> when you have a tint of sin in your eyes, that's how it seems. But when people truly do choose to do things for the glory of God, when people maintain their connection to God, when they wholeheartedly choose to advance his kingdom, evil loses every time. Every time. <laughs> Like a butter knife through warm butter. It's like evil loses every time. The battle is not hard when you choose to do and live a life for the glory of God and not for yourself. People often want to act holy. They want other people to think that they are righteous. They want the pleasures and the comforts, the good feelings and the positive emotions. They want all the good without any of the bad. They don't want to do any of the hard work except the truth or truly submit to God and obey him at all times. The Iraqis thought that they were so holy. Their riches proved that. Their riches, their, their pleasures, their comforts, their safety, their victories proved to them that God favored them. And they quickly became intellectuals and priests and they indulged in pleasure and feasted upon their earthly appetites. They talked about loving and fearing God while they truly loved and feared themselves. Then the rivers ran black with ink and red with blood. Their lack of dedication, trust in, and love for God alone caused their destruction. They were left vulnerable to the forces of evil. They relied on themselves and not their creator to provide and protect. You must have discipline. You must have discipline. You must have clear vision. You must have drive, time, and energy, all of which dedicated to God and his right ways. Your works, your faith, your life, it must be dedicated entirely to advancing God's kingdom and entering into it. Not focused on, addicted to, or worshiping, the safety and stuff in this temporary world. You must dedicate your life to God and his glory. Otherwise, you will end up holding golden plates in your fancy houses as evil forces slaughter your family and friends. You will be pointing to all of your possessions and pleasures when God asks you why you deserve a place in his kingdom. Stop worshiping false idols Return to God and his right ways. Do not set your heart on this world, or else this world will take it. Be in this world for now, and not of this world for good. Live for his glory, 
and reject all the safety and stuff of this place, it is not your home. It is not your home. Abandon your safety and stuff and return to God and his right ways. Um, yeah. AC says the government's trying to demoralize us with shutdowns. Yeah, true. They're conquering us right now with our own fears. They're using our fears against us and calling it a virus. The virus is fear. And yeah, they're trying to demoralize us. They're trying to shut up, make us shut our businesses down and become reliant and dependent on big corporations and big government. And they're doing so by demoralizing us, keeping us angry and scared and full of despair. Um, reject it. The beauty of it is just say no. <laughs> just reject it. I have not one time, not one time put a mask on my face, ever. Yeah, it's made my life a little bit inconvenient. Yeah, I've had to like stand my ground in the face of like employers and friends and family or whatever that are angry and upset that I'm not willing to obey and submit. Yeah, it's like I can't go to Walmart anymore and get cheaper groceries, but I can like go down the street to Publix who doesn't fight back, you know? Or I could go grow my own food. Which is what I'm trying to do. I'm slowly learning how to grow my own food, get out of debt so I can go buy land and go make my own food and raise my raise my own livestock and have my own food and water sources. There's always options. Like your life gets more inconvenient um, the more you stand up for what's good and reject what is evil. We're living in Babylon. <laughs> the more you reject Babylon, the harder your life is going to be in Babylon. You're going to face trials and tribulations. You're going to face shame and persecutions of all kinds big small important not important physical spiritual like you're going to be met with challenges the more you stand up and resist evil in this evil place but the rewards are eternal <laughs> your treasures are in heaven not here and your safety and stuff needs to be sacrificed you need to be willing to sacrifice what's important to you the idols that you worship here and now in this place down on earth in order to advance and enter into god's kingdom above so don't let them demoralize you. Stand up and say no. <laughs> Accept inconvenience. Accept um, hardships and struggles into your life for doing what is right and striving to achieve what is righteous and good and advance God's kingdom and live for his glory. Um, do not be demoralized. All this mess stems from Zionists, everything. No, not at all. That's not true at all. <laughs> Miser. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Um, yeah, Zionists are up to no good. Yeah, so are like American corporations. So are like the English royal family. So are like African rulers and warlords. There's so many people on this earth, human beings that are up to no good. And this mess stems from a lot of different people. It stems in general from those who have been overcome by evil, who have evil in their hearts, the children of the lie, who live and obey Satan, and even those who don't even know or realize Satan is real or that the spiritual battle is real, who just go along to get along, who choose ease and comfort, those people are causing this mess, not Zionists. You're not a victim of Zionism, bro. Zionism can't do anything if you say no. Just say no. <laughs> say no. Be a, be a righteously masculine man of God and stand your ground when evil comes knocking at your door. Zionism is what? They're over there in another country. They're over on the other side of the world in this tiny little country. And their population too is full of fear and, and despair and anger 
and dread. You know, the Jews, everyone wants to blame the Jews. The Jews, the Jews. Yeah, the Jews control our news. They, they make porn. They push drugs on us. They own the pharmaceutical companies. They, keep, they try to enslave us with our vices, but don't have vices. <laughs> the Jews can make all the pornos they want in the world, but don't watch them. Don't indulge in them. The Jews can give you all the loans you want. You can make fun of all the, you, you know, you can bash and rail against the Jews for usury, for all the usury they have, or they, they push and pedal. Just say no. Like you're the one choosing to accept it. The Jews can be whatever, evil and up to no good, but you, you're the one letting it into your heart and letting it into your soul and into your life. You are the one taking out the loans. You are the one putting on the mask. No one's putting a mask on you. No one's forcing you to take the loans. No one's forcing you to watch the pornos. No one's forcing you to take the pharmaceutical drugs. You, you are the one choosing it. You are the one indulging in appetites. You are the one who wants an easy and comfortable and pleasured life. And you are the one letting evil into your heart. You are the one choosing to be a citizen, a loyal and obedient citizen of Babylon. So you can make fun of Babylon all you want. You can hate Babylon all you want. But if you truly were a man of God, it's easy to stand up and say no to Babylon. <laughs> Reject the ease and the comforts and the pleasure that Babylon provides. These Zionists have nothing to do. Like, they have no power, no control over you other than the power and control you give them. You choose to give them. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, miser. Oh, yeah, I, wanna, I, want an easy, I want an easy person to blame for all my problems on. I don't want to take personal responsibility for the fact that I'm addicted to porn and drugs and that my friends and family are addicted to porn and drugs and that we're all in debt because of usury. I want to be a victim. I want to blame on other people for my problems. I don't want to take personal responsibility. I don't want to overcome my problems. I don't want to, over, I don't want to be, be willing to abandon my safety and my stuff and seek God in his right ways. No, I just want to look over there at those people over there and blame them. They're the ones, they're the ones making the pornos, they're bad. They're the ones who own the media, they're bad. They own the banks, they're bad. It's their fault, it's their problem. They're the bad guys, they're the evil ones. Yeah? Why'd you accept it? <laughs> why'd you let it in? Why did you why did you take the tickets? Why did you buy the tickets to their show? Um yeah, so sorry, bro. Sorry to sorry to shatter your little hopes and dreams right now and today. But no, the Zionists are not the cause of this mess. You are. We are. Starts internally. You are. We're in a spiritual battle, and you are losing it because you are choosing to let the evildoers make your life easy and comfortable. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry, miser, but uh, that's a reality that you need to you need to break in. You need to you need to come come to grips with. The Zionists are yeah they're up to no good. There's a lot of people in this world up to no good. The Chinese government, the people the people who rule the Chinese Communist Party up to no good. The British royal family up to no good. You know, cartels in the slums of Brazil up to no good. <laughs> your uncle, your your father and uncle. Up to no good. Like, there's so many people in this world that are up to no good, but you lose when you when you let them control you. When you choose to give in, when evil comes knocking at your door, you open the door and let them in because they provide you with ease and comforts and happiness and good feelings. 
you choose to let the evil into your heart. They are not forcing the evil into your heart. We are in a spiritual battle and you are losing it. The Jews are not destroying you. <laughs> the Jews are not the problem, are not the cause of all your problems and you are not a victim. Rise up and overcome. Start saying no, start taking personal responsibility for your actions. Uh, so rant over. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble, but no, that's not true. You could, you could say a phrase like, yeah, Zionists are up to no good. Yeah, Zionists push bad things on people. Yes, fact. But who is accepting those things? Who is allowing those things to happen? Who is welcoming the ease and the comfort of the bad things? Us. We are. <laughs> we are. You can blame the drug addict all you want. You can blame or you can blame the drug dealer all you want. Blame the drug dealer all you want. Look at how evil he is. He's selling drugs to people. But you're not going to stop the problem of, of drugs being a thing in reality that destroys lives until you start criticizing, condemning, and correcting the behaviors of the drug addicts. <laughs> like, we have to let this sink in. We can't keep arguing and blaming the drug dealer for selling drugs. You have to stop the addicts from wanting to buy the drugs. If there was no demand for drugs, there would be no supply of drugs. Or there would be a supply of drugs and no one would be using it. <laughs> like, drug dealers would just have houses full of drugs. And they'd be like, "How do I, oh, I, I need someone to buy my drugs. Yeah, like that's how you cure the problem of drugs is you get the addicts to stop choosing to buy the drugs. And you can blame the drug dealers all you want, all you want. Spend all your energy, waste your life and living in anger and fear of all the drug dealers out there, all the sin dealers, the sin pushers out there, the people who seek to do you wrong and do you evil. You can live your life in anger and, and fear and despair at the fact that there's drug dealers out there pushing drugs and selling drugs. But the reality is that the problem does not get solved until people stop choosing to indulge in the drugs. When people stop choosing to indulge in sin. So, yeah, now rant over. <laughs> Best them, don't join them. Yeah. And my girlfriend says, and we're going to have 13 babies. Yes. I am going to have at least 10, hopefully like 12 or 13 children. And then hopefully like 60, 70, maybe 80 grandchildren. That's the plan going forward. 13 babies why stop there yeah I want, I want to stop at like 10 11 maybe 12 and then you know we can start adopting after that like i could probably adopt some more and get like maybe pump those numbers up to about like 15 or 16 total kids and um but what i really want is a bunch of grandchildren i want like a small army i want like two small armies of grandchildren um here we go. Miser responds to me, says, not in debt, and I take responsibility for myself. Just saying they control the go-along to get-along group, so they control the population of et cetera. Yeah, sure. Don't join them. <laughs> okay. Don't join them. Why would you join them? Oh, yeah, there's evil people out there pushing evil. Oh, yeah, and then there's a bunch of people out there accepting the evil. Okay, like, but what are you doing? Are you saying no to evil, or are you just joining them? Are you just sitting around angry and scared and complaining about it? Or are you actively rejecting it and actively going out and building a better life elsewhere? It's all up to you, man. Like, I haven't worn a mask one time. <laughs> I haven't worn a mask one time for any reason. Um, I've gone to DMVs multiple times. 
I've gone to grocery stores, many restaurants, many businesses. Some places tell me no, some people get mad and you just shrug your shoulders. You go, okay, have a good day and walk away. And you accept some inconvenience into your life and some hardship into your life and some social shame into your life. You don't join them. You do not join them. And I can spend my whole time on my live stream complaining about masks. The government's making me wear a mask. The corporations are making me wear a mask. People are making me, there's laws that are making me wear a mask. Or you could just say no. <laughs> you could just say no. You, you could just go not do it. So yeah, like, yeah, there's laws about masks. There's mandates about masks. There's peer pressure campaigns about masks. Corporations aren't letting you in without masks. Mask, 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 mask. Just say no. Go do so. Go build a life elsewhere. And don't waste your life complaining. Ah, oh, it sucks that everyone's wearing masks. I'm going to be angry and destroy my soul by being so angry and scared and fearful about these mask mandates and everyone giving into the masks. And ah, uh, no, just go do, just go don't do it. <laughs> go live your life not doing it. And don't focus on it. It's it's an easy easy solution to that. Yeah, there's evil in this world. Yes, there's people, there's wicked people who push evil. Yes, there's people that accept that evil. There's a lot of people that just accept the evil because of what I'm talking about. Because they want the pleasure, they want the comforts, and they don't want the pain. They don't want hardships. They don't want struggles. What they want is an easy, comfortable, pleasure-filled life. And that's, the, that's what evil thrives on. Because evil says, here, just accept this evil and we'll, we'll uh, get you a big house. Here, just accept this evil and we'll make your body feel good. Here, you can have so much fun and entertainment if you just accept a little bit of evil. And your job is to say no. Your job is to stand up for yourself and do what's right and say no. Reject the evil. And accept and embrace the hardships and the struggles that come with that. It, um, my next live stream, I'm going to be talking about Daniel in the Bible, but that's a good example. Daniel will stand up to the face of evil. Evil comes knocking at his door and they say, we'll give you a good pleasure-filled pleasure life. And he says no. And they come again and they say, well, we're going to kill you. <laughs> oh, you said no? Well, now we're going to throw you into a den of lions. And he still stands strong and says no. You know, he accepts the hardships, the struggles, the persecution, and even death for doing what's right, standing up for what's right. He doesn't blame others. He doesn't hate others. He's not angry and complaining about others and about the evil in this world. He just stands up for himself, does what's right, and gets on with getting on. And he's rewarded in the end. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, Miser. I'm just trying to say that is the thing I hear a lot from people. And it needs to be squashed. We as righteous men of God need to overcome this victimization, this victim... Uh, I'm a victim. Oh, everyone's being mean to me. <laughs> Everyone hates me. The world's unfair. The world's evil. Everyone's evil around me. Yeah, narrow is the gate. Keep your eyes and your heart and your soul focused on trusting and loving on God alone, and you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if your friends and your family and your peers and your co-citizens and your Zionist ruler overlords or whatever, all of them, good luck. <laughs> Good luck out there. They took the tickets. They accepted the evil into their heart. Good luck, guys. You stay focused on the, the narrow gate. You stay focused on following, loving, trusting, obeying God only and following him and his right ways. You do it. You choose the righteous path of God. Um, so I'll stop ranting. Sorry.
Thank you for being here, Miser. I appreciate it. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not even attacking you. I don't even know who you are personally, but I hear this a lot. I hear this argument and these complaints a lot, and especially from Christians, which is startling. And we need to not do this. It's causing us to become victims by living in this victimhood, this, this blaming, this uh, self-blame mentality. Yeah. I appreciate it, Miser. So same good points, thumbs up. I appreciate it. And then over on Instagram, I think Instagram is going to turn off soon. So all you people on Instagram, head over to DLive. I have a few more thoughts I want to share. Um, but yeah, Stuntman, Handy Adam, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, again, tune over to DLive and send me these questions. Civilized means slavery. Sin is death all throughout history. Yes, yes. Um, Handy Adam Bear, we are in a war and tasked to be warriors of light and truth. Yes. <laughs> New book title, Fate of the Special Boy. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Historical accounts of the wages of sin and apathy. Yes. Yeah, shout out Phoenix Bear, Stuntman Bear, Handy Adam Bear. Must be nice not to cover the face of God. <laughs> Must be nice not to cover the face of God. Um, you're the alpha simply not by not covering your face. True. True. We need to spotlight the ones who are up to good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, stop complaining about the evil ones and highlight the good ones. Your children, keep your children away from the evil and do not participate. Correct. Yes. Um. Yes, keep your children close. Juice is okay sometimes, just not every day. <laughs> Say no to the 30 pieces of silver. Say no to Judas, yes. And blame the serpent and not your failure of stewardship. Exactly, exactly. That's a perfect summary. You can blame the snake all you want. The reality is that Adam failed. Adam failed. He failed in leading his woman in the right way. And he failed in tending to his garden. He failed to correctly instill the values in his family and in himself to reject evil. And if Adam just sits around going like, stupid snake, snake is the cause of all my problems. Man, the snake, the snake, dude, the snake, totally, it's, it's the snake's fault, it's the snake's fault. The snake is what destroyed me. The snake is this, the snake is that. The snake is the cause of sin. No, you are. <laughs> No, you failed. No, you accepted the snake. You accepted the pleasure and the comforts and the intelligence and all the thoughts and emotions and feelings that the snake provided by letting you eat, by convincing you to eat the apple. The snake didn't force the apple down your throat. <laughs> the snake didn't come up. I mean, it literally can't even do it. It like literally doesn't even have arms. It's like it didn't take the fruit and shove it down Eve's throat and shove it down Adam's throat. No. The snake came with temptations and Adam and his wife were too weak, too unwilling to stand up and stand their ground and say no. And they gave in to the sin. It's Adam's fault. He did not tend to his garden. He failed in his mission to reject sin and choose the righteous way of God. That's the perfect example. Thank you, Handy Adam, for uh, hitting me up. Yeah, don't forget us on Instagram. Yeah, head over to DLive, Handy Adam. Um and send your comments there because this also is going to turn off in like now i think soon um 
People are lazy and afraid of confrontation. Yes. <laughs> yes, because they don't have God in their lives. They're not living for a higher purpose. They're not living for God's glory. They're living for their own pleasures and their own comforts. And it makes them lazy and afraid. It makes them docile and complacent. It keeps them focused on this, their safety and their stuff. Um, not focused on bringing glory to God and entering into his kingdom, doing things the right way, you know? I don't know. But yeah, again, head over to DLive. Maybe this is an ending. It probably should have been over by now, Instagram. But usually it cuts me off at an hour. And I think it's been running for like an hour and 10 minutes now. So yeah. I beat the Instagram. I defeated the Instagram monster. <laughs> Reclaimed my time. I would like to reclaim my time, Senator. Um, yeah, so send me, keep sending me questions. I'll get to them again. But I want to summarize my thoughts here and give you some things to keep in mind. So Christians, all my Christians out there, listen up. <laughs> Dig in and listen up. <laughs> because Christians in America today do not believe that you can live free from sin. That you can truly be born again of God's spirit. That you can live on this earth, in this life, without anger or fear. And they do not love one another, which means they have no love. And of course, I'm talking about not every single person out there. You might be a perfect little special boy um, that stands out in the crowd. I'm not talking about everyone. You know, as Jesse Lee Peterson says, not all, not all, not all, but most. <laughs> not all, not all, but most. Most Christians today do not believe these things. They do not believe that when you know God, you will have perfect peace. When you truly know God, you will have perfect peace. And once you have perfect peace, you don't need to get high or drunk. Um, you don't need to indulge in the pleasures of the flesh anymore. They don't believe in perfect peace. They don't believe in perfect love or that God's will is perfect. They believe only in their stuff and in their safety. And it is now time to reject it and return to our loving, forgiving, perfect creator. Now, <laughs> return to the loving, forgiving, perfect creator of your soul. Those who found, made, created, and built this country had God in their hearts, and they lived to bring him glory with all of their actions. Our ancestors had true faith in him, and they crushed. <laughs> Our ancestors had true faith in God, and as a result, they crushed. They crushed. Great men built and made great times. The difference between them and us today is that the victory has defeated us. The good times have made us weak. They got too much stuff. We got too much stuff. Our fathers, our grandfathers even, and us, we got too much stuff, too much safety, and it has made us complacent, docile, uninterested, demoralized, and just generally full of sin. As Phoenix Bear says, people are lazy and afraid of confrontation. The victory has defeated us. Um, Christians, my Christians, stop placing your faith, your trust, 
and your love in your safety and in your stuff here and now. <laughs> now, now start playing. Now start with all of your heart, putting it into God, all your heart, all of your soul, all of your might, place it into God, into your father, your creator. Reject the stuff and the safety of this world. And <laughs> T.R. Dale says, I'm late as usual. Yes. I appreciate you tuning in, though, my dude. Replay will be up in a few hours on my YouTube and my BitChute channel. Sean V. Planet on YouTube. Um, find and subscribe. I also have a Clips channel. So if you want to find shorter portions of my rants and my ramblings, you can find my Clips channel on YouTube. Uh, find and subscribe to that. It's a good It's a good um, and I'm going to have some updates coming on that soon. But yeah, the replay will be available on YouTube. Sean V. Planet on YouTube. Subscribe, please. And on BitChute, also BitChute.com slash Sean V. Planet. Also, find and subscribe. Um, I love BitChute, so I prefer you to use my BitChute um, going forward. Subscribe to me there. Find me there. Um, I don't trust YouTube. <laughs> I don't trust the snake, you know. I'll use the snake's resources against it, but I don't trust it. I don't like it. And I'm not banking on it. I'm not choosing to take the ticket of YouTube. You know, it's a temporary power grab on my end. But yeah, I'll end. Uh, any last questions sent in my way, I'll get to at the very end here. <clears throat> Again, thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate it. <clears throat> but we all, Christian or not, we need to keep all of this in mind. Every rejection. All the losses, every ounce of pain you experience is a piece of the puzzle in becoming a better person. Every ounce of pain you experience is a piece of the puzzle in becoming a better person. Adversity and rejection will strengthen you. Your failure will make you better. Remember that. <laughs> Adversity and rejection will strengthen you. Failure will make you better. Success, comfort, and ease will keep you exactly where you are. An abundance of safety and stuff will keep you from becoming the truly great soul you were created to be. <clears throat> Sorry, I hate drinking water on my streams. But I have like a little tickle in my throat. I'm a little, I'm a, you know, I'm a little com comfort boy. I need, I need to get my little, my little sips of water in. But truly embrace that, my dudes. An abundance of safety and stuff will keep you from becoming the truly great soul you were created to be. Life setbacks, hardships, and problems will build integrity, confidence, and character within you. The experience and skills developed from overcoming the pain and persecution you will surely face, that you will definitely face, is going to lead you to greatness and righteousness. It will lead you to greatness and righteousness. Overcome. Don't blame. Overcome. Don't point the finger. Overcome. When this life is easy, when difficulties are not experienced, you are getting weaker and kept away from the glory God made you for. Learn from hardships, grow out of failure, embrace the struggles you face, and fight against the desires of the flesh to pursue physical, temporary rewards and pleasures. 
reject the temptation to seek refuse in your refuge in your safety and in your stuff. Be sure to seek the Father in heaven's right ways and bring him glory. Him glory through your actions in the spiritual battle we are in. You were created and shaped for this moment and this life. You were created and shaped for this moment and for this life. You were prepared for the hardships facing you now and the wars to come. Place your trust, your hope, and your faith in the Lord and be led through the darkness and into his life. Stay close to the good shepherd. He will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death and into his green pastures. And I just want to close by saying, I do believe in you. Miser, I believe in you. <laughs> All my dudes out there, I believe in you. I truly do believe in you. We will overcome. We will return to God in his right ways. We just have to choose it. We have to embrace it. We have to accept it in our hearts. And we have to be willing to fight forward, push forward, move forward, and fight for him. Not for ourselves. Not for our rewards. Not me, me, me. We need to choose to fight and live and thrive and grow and build and push towards God and his right ways. And I do believe in you. I believe in you. Your brothers and sisters that you may or may not ever know or meet in person out here in the world, um, believe in you. <laughs> People are praying for you that you don't even know that you'll never even meet. And we believe in you. We know that you are capable of this. And more importantly, your creator believes in you. And your creator does want to see you in heaven. Your, your creator wants to open up the gates and let you, into, let you into his kingdom. But he's waiting for you to choose it. He's waiting for you to reject the evil and choose him and his right ways. Your God believes in you. Your brothers and sisters in the faith believe in you. I believe in you, truly. Go forth, meet your destiny and crush and conquer <laughs> crush and conquer the problems and the and the and the uh the trials the tribulations the temptations everything and anything that stands in your way conquer it and win the battles facing you now and those ahead of you knowing that we are the ones who will win in the end yeah so thanks everyone for tuning in i'm going to end instagram Thank you for the comments and the shout outs and then the waves. Thank you everyone on DLive for tuning in and listening to me. Uh, miser, miser, my dude, I love you. I believe in you. Just overcome. Stop living in victimhood. Stop blaming others for your problems. And choose the narrow gate, the narrow path and the narrow gate into the kingdom. Don't worry about what all the evil is happening around you. They want you, they want you demoralized. They want you full of despair and they want you to join them. They want, to let, they want you to submit and join them. What you need to do is follow that narrow path and that narrow gate towards God and his right ways, and you will win in the end. You will win in the end. So I love you, my dude. I'm praying for you, my dude. Everyone out there, again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting me and helping me. Thank you for listening and putting up with my rants and my ramblings. And if you disagree, you can send it, all your, all your, all your uh, hate mail to me. I have a P.O. Box, Sean Corey, P.O. Box 330-172, Nashville, Tennessee, 37203. You can send me fan mail, hate mail, love mail. 
You can send me art stuff, uh, uh, whatever you want, you can send it. Just um, don't say anything too big that costs you too much money. <laughs> I don't need all your money. Um, I don't need your money. And yeah, follow me on all the things. SeanVPlanet.com for all the links. And Linktree.com slash SeanVPlanet has other links. And yeah, no more questions. Thank you guys for them though. And I'm going to call it a day. Have a great rest of your weekend. Have a happy Saturday. Remember, I love you and I believe in you. And if you just do good and be good, you will love and be loved. <laughs> and it will be beautiful. Take care. A lot of my artwork comes from a good man and friend of mine, Timmy J. Follow him on Instagram at S-W-I-T-C-H-B-A-X. His company, Mountain Folk, is amazing. They promote artists, they create mesmerizing art, and they sell comfy clothing that helps support groups that are fighting against human trafficking. Be sure to follow at F-O-L-K-M-T-N on Instagram, as well as at M-T-N F-O-L-K-S-H-O-P. And be sure to shop at mtn.folk.shop. This is not a paid ad. Just help good people do good things.